last year, I curated an exhibition for Gucci North America. And I don't know what to do because I'm the only black girl in the room and they're like, N-word this. And I'm like, no. I swear to you, I could not make it up. And, oh, and, I, wow. and, I, and, I, and I fully understood that there was like a cultural nuance there, right? Because it was, it was, no one else was bothered. Nobody, absolutely nobody. And I recognized, because I started looking around the room like, is anybody else hearing this? I'm like, oh. I was like, all right. And just building your team. Who is the core person? Because sometimes when everyone's accountable, nobody's accountable. So who's yeah. ultimately accountable for this event? Who's going to be that person on site from beginning to end? And then who's playing the supporting roles? So I think you need to make that very clear. So your team, chart, project management, strong run of show, pre-questionnaire and be an active listener and empathetic to um, people involved. Kiana Wenzel has more than 18 years experience researching, planning, curating, and executing design projects in metropolitan Detroit. Kiana currently serves as the co-executive director of Design Core Detroit, a nonprofit economic development organization housed within the College of Creative Studies. Welcome to Eventus 365 the podcast that's all about corporate events and the magic behind the scenes. I'm your host, Yannick DaCosta, and I am excited to take you on a journey through the world of corporate events. But before we dive in, let's talk about the stress of creating marketing material for your events. We all know how tough it can be when deadlines are tight and resources are limited, but guess what? YKME Visual Communications has got your back. Our design firm specializes in working with corporate event professionals just like you, and we're here to help take the stress out of creating stunning graphics for your event. Our team of expert designers can deliver custom brand compliant designs in just 12 hours. So whether you need branding, signage, marketing materials, or anything else, YKMD's got you covered. Okay, now that that's done, let's start the show. Kiana, talk to me about like your experience, right? So like you have extensive experience in design projects and can you share like a standout corporate event that you've worked on and what made it unique? Yes, the standout event for me is last year I curated an exhibition for Gucci North America, which was really like an achieving moment for me in my career to be able to partner with a luxury brand, like one of the top luxury brands in the world. Um, they opened up a store in Detroit, which is like huge because Detroit, Michigan, um, is a UNESCO city of design designated by the United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization. But the history of Detroit is like tumultuous. You know, it's like this up and down story of investment, de-investment, you know, investment, de-investment. It's like a roller coaster. And so the moment where Gucci enters into the picture in downtown Detroit is 2022, after about three to four decades, of the city center not having a retail store by a high-end luxury brand. And so with Gucci moving into, the, into Detroit for the first time ever, 
to be able to partner with them and curate an exhibition titled Building a Lasting Impact. That was truly a beautiful moment, an achieving moment for me in my career. Yes. That's actually really cool. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I like nice things, but I actually don't think I own any Gucci. I'm like, I don't think I've ever like been like, you know, I'm going to buy some Gucci. And I don't know why. I also, I mean, like I, I, I go out and I buy luxury items. Oh, you know what? I'm horrible. You know what it is? I just remembered. So the lines are always so long. So we're going to fix that for you. You need doesn't matter what Gucci store you go to like, and this is like pre pandemic. There's always some obnoxiously long line outside. And I'm just like, no, I'm good. I'm like, I'm good. That's so true. I was in the airport. I think coming back from Lithuania and there was a Gucci oh, store in the airport and there was a line to get into the Gucci airport store. And I came around a couple of times doing my little walk around and I never got inside. Yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. We, we might have to talk to somebody about that, see if we can get me in a store. But switching back gears, we did meet in Lithuania, right? Which is actually really cool, you know, just two black girls hanging out in Lithuania you know, all the way from the other side of the world. Uh, How did you enjoy your trip? My trip was, it was amazing because I was stepping outside of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. When I was asked to go to Lithuania on behalf of Detroit and represent Detroit, of course I said yes, because I'm a lean-in type of person. You know, an opportunity to travel internationally and represent my organization and represent my city. Of course, that's something that I'm going to say yes, unless I really feel like it's extreme risk, you know, so I was definitely interested in, you know, I'm interested in going to Europe as many times as possible. I never saw myself going to Connors, Lithuania, but when the opportunity came, I said, sign me up, sign me up. I hope that I'm accepted in Lithuania. I'm going to go as Kiana representing Detroit, Michigan, bring my best self and go from there. And I was happily surprised to just feel so much warmth from my hotel to my pickup at the airport. It was nice. It was nice. nice. I went to a restaurant and heard like Motown music playing. And I'm like, oh my God, I travel all the way to Lithuania. They're like, really? Really weird thing, okay? And you can tell me if you had this problem too. So this is a bit of a tangent, but I'm in my hotel. I'm in the yeah. lobby, right? Yeah. And they're playing music. Yeah. They're playing all like like top 40s, like all the hip songs from America, okay? I love it. I'm rocking. And then I realized that they are not removing any of the curse words and I am floored. I'm looking around like, there are children here. I don't know what's going on. And then they start singing it word for word. And it's just very, no- so like for me, it's like very profane. And I'm just like, clutch pearls. And for them, they're like, we don't even understand what it's saying. So we don't care. Wow. I didn't hear that um, non-censored version, the uncensored version, but uh, when they were playing some Biggie Smalls in one of the restaurants, it was the, it was the, I would have, I would have clutched my pearls too, because 
Oh, I'm the one that doesn't, you know, always say the curse words in every single song. No, it's when I'm sitting down, right? And I don't know what to do because I'm the only black girl in the room and they're like, N-word this. And I'm like, no. I swear to you, I could not make it up. And, oh, and, I, wow. and, I, and, I, and I fully understood that there was like a cultural nuance there, right? Because it was, it was, no one else was bothered. Nobody. Absolutely nobody. And I recognized because I started looking around the room like, is anybody else hearing this? I'm like, oh, I was like, all right. But they definitely love the American music. Definitely love the American music. But I think that everyone around the world should know that the N-word is inappropriate to say. That should be. I think think that's fair. But I also feel like we have to give people room. Because again, there is a cultural nuance, right? Like, I mean, it's like. Right. Some people like I live in Jamaica, right? There are people in my country who like if a, a white person says calls them the N-word, they'd be like, mm, all right, have a good day. And they like walk away. Whereas like like in America, that's fighting words, you know, there's a there's a big nuance there. And so that's the only reason why I'm like, I feel like yeah. there's some cultural differentiation right. here yeah. that like we have to take into account. And I think right. We would have to really educate people. And I say this at this point, and we were talking about like just like corporate events and like being on like a global scale, understanding like who is coming into your space and like what what might be offensive for them or what might stimulate them. But like for yeah. me, I'm not gonna lie. I wrote Marriott a letter because I was like, this was oh yeah, crazy. oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I agree. And I, I, and I, and I, I knew that no one else was going to be upset except for me, but I was like, I felt so uncomfortable. I yeah, like, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, you did the right thing. You did the right thing. It's a teachable moment. Yeah. And you have to think about what is the teachable moment in me talking to this person that's saying it, or is it a teachable moment for me talking to the Marriott leadership team and in um, censoring the music that they play in the lobby for guests that are coming from all over the world. It's, yeah. and it, was, it was, I think it was stranger for me because I'm like, this is a global brand. Who is curating the music that is playing in the lobby, in the elevator? Like it's playing throughout the entire hotel. You cannot right. not hear it. Right, right, so right. Like, who did this? Like, who did this? They probably, they probably, they probably like let somebody and was like, yeah, they did a good job, but like, this should be something that's curated from like corporate, like corporate, like corporate to curate. I agree. I agree. I'm, I, I, that's like so, like so much of a side note, but I'm, I'm raining back in a little bit. Right. Right. Yeah. And we're talking about approaches, right? Um, me and my auditory experience. How yeah. how do you approach creating like visually engaging and immersive experiences for event attendees? And like, what role does collaboration play in bringing those ideas to life? Like maybe the collaboration Marriott should have did with their team. Yeah, members. that's really a good segue because sound is a huge part of it. Uh-huh. I try to touch on all senses, you know, from the visual, of course, is it a beautiful space or is it a space that's like architectural architecturally noteworthy, you know, as you're approaching the building, even before you get inside the building, and what way is it speaking to you or saying some type of context? You know, what are people, what does it smell like when you come in? What is, what do you hear 
whether it's like a soft music or whether it's like a live band or whether you have a DJ that's playing some type of, whether it's techno music or Motown music. So the mood of the space is gonna really come through in your soundtrack. So that's huge for me for every event. I'm always very intentional about either I'm making the playlist or I'm having someone play live. And then who is that person and why am I selecting that person to come in and create the soundtrack for the event? And then the staff as well. The staff is gonna give you that feeling, that emotional feeling. Is somebody welcoming you? Hi, welcome to Drinks by Design, you know, and just making you feel like they're happy that you're there. And so I try to touch on all five senses when I'm working with my venue partner or my venue host, I think about their goals. So it's not all just about me, you know, I always talk to my partners and stakeholders about, you know, what are your goals for the year? What do you envision for this event? What kind of outcomes are you looking to have at the end of this event? The impact and the outcome should be what? Fill in that and then let's plan that into our run of show so we can make sure that we're checking some of those boxes. Fair, but I want to. I kind of want to pull it back a little bit and really focus yeah. in on the visual aspect of the storytelling or the visual yeah. aspect of the goal setting that you are trying to achieve with your partners. What are some things that tends to happen at these events to really enhance that visual appeal? And I'm only focusing on the visual appeal as much as I am because you really are coming from like with a really great design background. I feel like our listeners would really benefit from hearing your take on it. I mean, I talk about it enough, so. Yeah, sure. I am producer of the Detroit Month of Design, which is an annual multidisciplinary festival that occurs throughout the city of Detroit. I also produce a monthly networking event. It's called Drinks by Design, and it's always in a new location focusing on a different design discipline. So it's like a meetup for Detroit creatives. We just had one last week and it was at Durfee Innovation Society and the theme was fashion and accessories. So fashion and accessories, people are gonna be expecting for people to be dressed to the nines. And we had lots of mannequins. So first of all, the venue was great because it was an old Detroit public school that's been renovated into a co-working space. So all of the classrooms are now like mini offices for small to mid-sized businesses. And then the outside of the building is like an Italian Renaissance brick, you know, Parducci, like carved cement. And it's like a massive building. So as you're driving down the street and you see it, it's just architecturally beautiful. Then when you got inside, there was this huge auditorium and we just filled it with Detroit fashion and accessory designers. The core of the programming were um, students from the College for Creative Studies, which is an art and design school in Detroit. So 11 of the students showcased their senior projects. And a lot of them were like in costume design. So it wasn't just like, oh, okay, here's like a, a, a business casual dress that I'm just gonna see in a store for visual merchandising. One of the mannequins, the head was like, um, almost like a fan type thing. Like it was very dramatic and like this dark blue. And then the face was kind of covered up with like a layered fabric and the skirt um, was really like, like cut pieces going all the way to the floor. So it kind of gave like this air of mystery, 
more of like theater design, costume design. Another of the dress forms was more of like the skeleton of a, of a piece. Like most people see the end of a fashion design of a dress, a couture dress um, at the Met or something. You see the dress as this finished piece, but you don't really see the underskin of that, like the framework of it. So one of the designers was showing that with like the balloon skirt you could see underneath. And then like a dress, we had 11 mannequins kind of set up in the center. And then going around the room was live sewing. Attendees love anything live, like I call it art emotion, whether it's painting live, a canvas, painting on a sofa live. I've had at events painting a model live, like a, a model wearing a nude suit. And then there was someone painting her, she was camouflaged into the background. People love, love, love live art, you know, even a live model vignette. So around the room, we had Ali Gatnai, he's an eyewear designer. He was like making some eyewear frames live. Um, then we kind of sprinkled it with some people showing jewelry. And there was another designer, he had his live models. So the models kind of, um, you know, modeling his clothing, but then he was also sewing. You know, Lindsay Jenkins, she had her rack. She was dressed in her clothes, but she had this cool backdrop. So she was like taking pictures with people. Um, another handbag designer had a rotating, she had her bags like rotating. So getting some movement going. You also wanna work on the lighting. Do you have spotlighting? That's kind of drawing people's eye into one space. I also had the DJ inside. Um, so that's what was going on in the main auditorium. And then attendees walked down this highly like photographable hallway to go into another room. It was the old pool of the school, but because it's been renovated, they filled it up with concrete and painted it blue. So kind of when you walked on the pool, your mind was thinking you're walking on water, but you know that you're not. So it kind of like messed with your mind a little bit. So you're walking like on the pool and then we took some drapery. So you have the area where you kind of walk around the pool and the pool is filled up and we added another layer of texture with some drapes. So when you walked into the pools, like walking into another area, this area did, had no music. So sometimes I like to create spaces, like it's a real vibe, it's kind of a little bit louder. Then you wanna create a more quiet space. If people really wanna do business, you go in there, you have some real conversations or you just get like a little bit of a mental break. If you feel like music, fashion, beautiful people, oh, let me go into this other room, just yeah. a drink of water, you know. But in that room, we also had a, a I would say more established designers in the second room. We we're sending a group of designers to Milan, Italy for PTOMO, a menswear uh, show that's every year in Milan. So six designers, we set them up in the pool area. Nice. And one of the designers uh, from CCS Color and Materials had her mood board. So as well as having her mannequins with the jacket, with the backpack, she really talked about her color palette and how the forming of the color palette and then the, the selection of materials. One was like a netted material with this neon green nylon material. So you could see the mood board on her table, but then see how that was actually used in the final product with her mannequins. Because I like for all of my events to be educational mm -hmm. and pulling the onion back on design as well as just also showing the final piece. So Kiana, I feel like when you were talking about the mood board, that kind of like struck a chord with me because I remember when I was in college, right? No one laughed. It was a little while ago, but 
we used to build our mood boards like with like paper and like cutouts first um, before we were even allowed to touch the computer. And, you know, now all my mood boards are kind of built on like on the computer with the Adobe software and all the fun stuff. And it kind of makes me think like about like how technology continues to evolve rapidly. Yeah. Can you share some innovative tech tools or platforms that you've incorporated into your event planning process to enhance the overall experience? Really, our events, you know, they vary, you know, on the technology range. Mm -hmm. At the base, we're using social media a lot, you know, really hashtags to connect people. You know, um, I find that a lot of attendees naturally are creating their own content after an event, like their own reels with their own music. And it's really great because then Design Core, we don't have to like create a new, a lot of bunch of new content. We can just share from the view and perspective of an attendee, how did they see this event? So we do that a lot, all the way to like VR headsets that people can put on, have a VR station. Um, and a couple of times at a Drinks by Design, it's been like user experience. So people have brought like backdrops that are interactive. You kind of dance in front of it and it's moving with you. Uh, so that'll, those are some of the tech things that we've been working on. We just recently migrated off of Eventbrite for some of our events and are drawing all of the foot traffic to our website. You okay. know, so trying to really enhance just for attendees experience from beginning to end when they're registering for the event. I have questions. Yes. So you just said you took it off Eventbrite and put it onto your company website. Yeah. I've had another conversation with some guests who were talking about the fact that it's it's not as agile for them to do that because, you know, whereas they have autonomy over what happens on event, right? They don't have the same level of autonomy when it comes to um, the websites that are hosted by the, their organization. So they have a bit of a bottleneck getting things updated. You know, events are very uh, fluid. So sometimes you have to change things, update venues, update speakers, update participants and all of that. How do you find that process is for you? And if it's pleasant, because again, that's what you migrated to, what makes it so pleasant? What it is that you, what is it that you guys are doing that someone else isn't doing that they could learn from? We use WordPress as our backend for our website. Definitely having someone with WordPress experience on your team helps yeah. because you are so fluid. You know, someone that can just go in there and change copy. That's yeah, all I need. 90% of the, words, the world's websites are built on WordPress last time I checked. Um, yeah. It's one of the, so like my design firm, like our Anytime someone would come to us like with design stuff, we'd always be like, no, no, we're, we, we design WordPress. That's it. We don't WordPress. We do WordPress and that's it. Anything else, like we're not looking to, to provide technological support for anything other than WordPress. But the other day I had a client be adamant enough to where we started doing splash because it made sense. So it's like splash that is kind of, I don't want to, I don't want to compare it to event, right? But it's an all-in-one marketing tool where you can, you know, develop a custom landing page, send out email templates, text messages, um, all these other fun things, even like launch your social media um, uh, campaigns from there, from their platform. And again, a lot of them 
like the reason for using Splash was just the lack of control that they could have on their for their for their client's internal team. And as I'm saying this, I'm saying to myself, you know what? But they're a contractor. They're, they're contracted by the Fortune 500. They don't work in it. So you work in it. So maybe that's a big part of why you are able to get the level of flexibility that you're thinking about. You know, it's some things that we're working through. Our open call process used to be through a platform called Submittable. Mm-hmm. What was great about Submittable is that members of our curatorial review committee could sign into Submittable, vote, and leave comments with each other, okay? Now we've migrated and brought the open call process to designcore.org. I'm working very closely with our web developer, Design Source Media, you know, to build that out. We're able to see the submissions from the back end of WordPress. We haven't gotten to the point where the Curatorial Review Committee could go into WordPress and put their own scores into it, but instead we just downloaded it into an Excel sheet and people were able to score like on the side. They could still see everything. So I had to decide, is it more important for people to go onto Submittable and put their scores there? Or is it more important for all of the event organizers to be going to my website? Why am I driving foot traffic to Submittable when I wanna drive foot traffic to Design Core? Okay, that's fair. So I have to weigh that. And so I do have someone on my team that's my go-to WordPress person if I need something quick. If I need more advanced web development services, then I work with Design Source Media and um, we go through like a workflow chart. They may need more time to build it out. Like they build out a map for me uh, for month of design where you could see like a Google map. Then you hover over, you can see the pins where the events are. So if you're, they're really amazing. And so I would say to help with the bottlenecking, it just may take more time and working with your web developer to do phase one, phase two, phase three, phase four, because sometimes that stuff just can't happen overnight and it depends on when you need it. I mean, that's, I think that's fair. And, but I think that's also like a part of the bottleneck, right? Like the way to solve yeah. it is to reach out and find resources that can actually help you move through it a little faster because they have the, the knowledge base that you and don't you have. Money. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, do you yeah. have it in your budget for that year yeah. to go high tech on your website? You yeah. know, you might be like, I can only afford this right now. So it's better for me to use a splash site or event, yeah. right? Until I can pay the developer to give me what I really want on our site. So a little pivot. Yeah. For me, like diversity, equity, and inclusion are like critical when it comes to event planning. Um, yes. Whether we're talking about um, culturally, we're talking about a, uh, a Black person versus a Spanish person versus an Asian person versus a white person and their um, cultural background and their experience when they get to the event, um, or someone who's neurodivergent or someone who um, is maybe even has a different sexual orientation and again has different life experiences than someone who may be planning the event. Um, Can you discuss some strategies you've implemented to ensure that um, just DEI values are reflected in your events and how they've benefited the overall event experience? Yes, our team has taken anti-ableism training through Detroit Disability Power 
just to make sure that we are staying like abreast of language and best practices and things like that. So that's something that we try to do annually. Um, I have started implementing for accessibility needs, contact, and I put a phone number and email for design core for all of our events, because you don't know what someone's need may be. So in, in the venue, it changes for a venue, depending on what we can offer. Um, so if you, for accessibility needs, contact. And then as people reach out to us, we can, you know, address it. And then we also put on our event pages, um, like, is the building wheelchair accessible? Or if it's virtual, will there be closed captioning available? So trying to, um, really communicate what's already inherently accessible about the event so people don't have to ask you know if it's in-person event and you have the wheelchair symbol um and then maybe you might want to put cashless even because some people just carry cash you know or um if it's people speaking different languages, depending on where it is, for translator, for translator inquiries, you know, whatever you can put on your page to notify people of what you already are going to have there. And if they have a special need to reach out, I found that really helpful. Also asking the venue what precautions they're taking, because sometimes they have resources available that I may not be aware of. Um, and then when people register, you can ask questions on the registration form. You know, um, is English your primary language? You know, are the restrooms accessible or gender neutral? Gender neutral restrooms available. That's something you could just put at the bottom of the page. You know, um, we've started asking questions as people register to help us be better prepared. I think that's fair. Um, it's funny. Well, we're I, when I travel to these conferences um, abroad, abroad, that was like, that's very, that's a very Caribbean word to use, um, but like overseas yeah. and I don't speak the language. It's always interesting to kind of like see me with like the little headphones trying to hear the English version. And I'm like looking at the person on stage, like, I'm not sure why I'm looking at you. I can't understand you. It's all in my head. And by the time they're finished reading it, the translation's coming over. So it's not like, it's not like I'm actually seeing, and I'm just like, why am I staring at this? I was like, I think it's just the polite thing to do. Just, just to stare at the person and nod like you're hearing the words in real time. Uh, that's like a random side note. Uh, okay, so with your wealth of experience, what advice would you give to someone entering the corporate event planning and marketing field? Like, are there any specific skills or traits you think they should focus on developing? Being an active listener you know, really listening to your client. If you are representing a company and facilitating an event, make sure that you have a pre-event questionnaire when you're meeting with them and getting to know their brand um, from, from a cultural standpoint as well. Um, I would also recommend having a good project management software system. Ooh. I use Asana. I've been using Asana for a while. I use Asana. I love Asana. You know, I'm just loving Asana more and more that I use it. It's a lot of moving parts in yeah. events. Yeah. 
you know, from, you know, just the venue, the contracts, the admin side, the vendor side, the programming side, the marketing side. And so I kind of break my board up, make sure things aren't falling through the cracks. So how are you going to manage this event? Make sure you have that in place. Make sure you have a pre-questionnaire in place. And then make sure you have a solid run of show. I believe in making a run of show at least like a day or two before the event. What are you doing? Are you sending a reminder? Are you following up with your vendors to make sure they're going to be there all the way to the day of the event, all the way to breakdown, all the way to follow up after the event? Don't stop when the event is over, you cleaned up. Are we following up with anybody that signed in or became a new subscriber? Are we sharing post pictures and following up with any sponsors and definitely the client, whoever was the venue host, thanking them, you know, seeing how you can further get involved. Um, so that's something. And then just building your team. Who is the core person? Because sometimes when everyone's accountable, nobody's accountable. So who's yeah. ultimately accountable for this event? Who's going to be that person on site from beginning to end? And then who's playing the supporting roles? So I think you need to make that very clear. So your team, chart, project management, strong run of show, pre-questionnaire, and be an active listener and empathetic to um, people involved. I think those are actually really great tips. So thank you for sharing those. And I know yes. other guests have shared similar things and have reinforced that just like general path of wanting to maintain organization and having clear transparency and making sure that we kind of know who's responsible for what. Um, but events can sometimes face like unforeseen challenges or obstacles. Yeah. Can yeah. you share a story about overcoming a difficult situation during an event um, and the lesson that you learned from that experience? Yes. Yeah, so one of the more challenging aspects of the drinks by design program is that we sell alcohol. And when you sell alcohol in the state of Michigan, you have to pull a liquor license, which is like a 12 step program. That's what I like to call it. It's like 12 steps yeah. to getting a liquor license. And so I've been doing this liquor license process for about five years and I've now trained a couple of people. Oh. I, I thought you were telling me it took five years. I was like, wait, what? Okay, no, no. <laughs> Chile. Okay, continue. No, but it's like 12 years because first you have to get the agreement with the venue. Okay, great. Got it. Then because my nonprofit is housed within a college, you have to get approval from the board of trustees. So then it has to go to the executive assistant. It has to go in front of the board. The board has to vote. You have to get it notarized. It has to get signed off by the president, the president's secretary. If your venue is within 500 feet of a school or a church, they have to sign off on it, that you can sell alcohol in this venue next to their school. Then you have to send it to the fire department to make sure that the building has ox certificate of occupancy. Then you have to send it to the police station. Then they have to sign off on it. Then you send it to the state of Michigan. Well, I've done all of that. And sometimes it's been the day before my event, like literally April, 2022, the day before my event. And I did not have my liquor license. I'm like, where's my liquor license? I have catering. I have drinks. And this event, Design Corps is a nonprofit organization. So we have several revenue generation models philanthropy, corporate sponsors, selling alcohol and getting bar sales. 
mm-hmm. for unrestricted income, you know, so we've really come to rely on the bar sales from our events to help fund some other programs. And so I had to say, you know, people are going to want to have a beer or a glass of wine. If we can't sell cocktails at the event, then we're going to just scale it back and have just beer or just wine, you know, and select like two or three cases of red, two or three cases of white. Mm-hmm. And instead of selling it, we just going to give it away do like a four or five ounce pour and we're gonna have to call it a day and be on top of it the next time. Yeah. You know, and really make sure that, you know, we're managing up when it comes to checking in with the state to make sure that our application, you know, is 100%, your application has that to be 100% amazing. correct. Yeah. They give you so much time to correct it. So I've been in situations where I'm depending on money for a license, it's the day before and my license has come, has come like the day of the event, like literally like, three or four hours before the event and I'm making those last minute decisions. Okay. Um, that sounds stressful by the way, but I, I know. <laughs> been there, done that, totally get it. Um, unfortunately, but, but I, I, not the liquor, but just like the day before the event, you're like, where are the things? It's you know, coming, pivot, pivot, go, go. Um, no, I totally get it. So, before I jump off, this is before I let you jump off, because this is really going to be my last question. What's one event you feel like every event professional or every event planning and marketing professional should attend at least once in their life? The Detroit Month of Design. I'm dead. That sounds I'm biased. Right, right. That sounds so <laughs> biased. Okay, I'm going to let you tell us why. Why? Because Detroit is known for being a scrappy city. I like to say bad and bougie because Detroit is is grit, but it's also that polish. And it's not always easy to do both. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to know about a city that is able to tell its story as a comeback city again and again, so if you are a marketing event specialist, if you can do it in Detroit, you could do it anywhere. That's what you come to Detroit, okay. month of design, and see how our city is like transforming itself through this festival, working hand in hand with community, business, and government, because we don't work in a silo. You know, design course values are diverse experiences, accessibility, and collaboration. And our call to action for our UNESCO City of Design designation is a focus on inclusive design. That's one of our differentiating factors, looking at how we design and who gets to call themselves a designer, looking at how we plan and who gets to plan. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't have to have a four-year degree to call yourself. You don't have to have a four-year degree to be a designer. Everybody can embrace creativity and design as a tool for a prosperous and and happy life. Mm -hmm. And in Detroit, we have a lot of creatives that out of necessity, not because of, you know, um, out of need, that they use creativity as a way for solving uh, problems and impacting their their area and their city for better. So of course Detroit Month of Design. It's so many events in the world. I don't know if there's just one 
if it wasn't the Detroit Month of Design, I would maybe say for event and planning professionals in marketing. Yeah, that, that would be my answer. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much, Kiana. Really appreciate yeah, you taking the time to chat with me today and sharing your knowledge and your shameless plug. Uh, okay, right. Thank you for inviting awesome me. I appreciate <laughs> it. My pleasure. And that's a wrap for this episode of Aventus 365. We hope you enjoyed listening and learning something new today. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to help event professionals discover us. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode and sign up for our newsletter for behind the scenes content and updates on upcoming events. If you have any suggestions for future topics or guests, or just want to say hello, you can reach us at info at eventus365.com. We love hearing from our listeners. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Aventus 365.